When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First of all, it's, it's when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. We are back for another midweek post W episode. Yeah, follow the train there. Midweek post W episode. I am Jacob Lane. I am back from being on uh, daddy duty and gladly (laughs) excited to talk Louisville football tonight on this glorious evening. Matt and Vince are here. We will get to them here in a second. We've got a great show. Really, really excited. A lot of things to talk about. A lot of Louisville football stuff to talk about. There was a win. That was uh, that raised more questions like every game so far this season. Lamar and Teddy are going to play each other this week. The NCAA and the ACC, they are drinking something. I want a little piece of it. I've got some stats that we're going to talk about that will blow your mind. Dave Clawson might be the most boring football coach. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. A lot of things tonight we're going to dive into. Really excited for this. So let's bring in Matt McGavick, Louisville Report, Sports Illustrated. Matt, how are you, buddy? Good to see you. I've missed you, man. I've, I've missed you, too. Uh, for, I got to know, how was daddy duty? Daddy duty is always fun. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. My you are lying my, through your teeth. No, man. It's, look, man, <laughs> the, the, the obstacles of bringing home a second child uh, are what the, it sounds like. It's, it's tough. It's every bit of that. Like it is crazy. The ups and downs and, and just the unpredictability in my household right now, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Vince, how are you, man? I'm great. Fired up after another win. Feels yeah. Good. You you waiting to shave the beard until they lose or something? The beard is getting nah, long here. Nah, nah, I need a lineup. Definitely need a lineup. Not gonna shave it anytime soon. Yeah, no shave. No, you shave look November, like every other. Just a little bit away. You look like every other player in the NHL. One of my like uh, one of my old ball coaches from high school saw me at the alley and came up and just no hello, no anything, just grabbed me by the beard and said I look like an Amish man. <laughs> Fair, you do, yeah. you do. A, I, it looks good yeah. though, man. You yeah. doing all right though? How's the How's the week been for you? That normal week for me. I mean, it's Wake Forest always stresses me out. This is my least favorite week of the year, to be honest with you. I mean, just the scars from having to run scout team of that offense. And oh, yeah. it's, just not, it's not fun to be a 
scout team player this week in my opinion okay we're gonna get to that save that that's a good bit we'll come back to that i want to talk about wake forest i want to get the insight into what the last couple of years have looked like because it's been a roller coaster with wake forest you win some you lose some matt coburn throws down the l's down in cardinal stadium in front of like five thousand people there's been a lot of memories with wake forest the last few years mike rutherford's got a great piece on this being the weirdest rivalry in college sports love that very true all right let's talk about one thing first before we jump into louisville football and the big three the acc i watched a lot of football over the weekend first off matt i want to I want to say this, Vince, I don't need to address you on this one because this is before you arrived on set here, but Matt, did I, or did I not tell you that NC state was one of the better teams in the ACC? I did. I predicted them to win the ACC. Did I not tell you that I thought they were going to beat Clemson? And did I not predict that the ACC would not have a a team this year in the playoff? Yeah. Yeah. I I will say that I, I, I had a feeling this might happen, but I wasn't about to go as far as that. I, I still thought maybe Clemson could pull it out, but I don't think either of us project uh, projected that their offense was going to be this bad. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. The ACC right now is drunk. Like there is no other way to describe it. And it's, we're only two games in. Some of these teams like Boston College, they haven't even played an ACC game yet. So that like standings are really weird. They here, haven't but... played anyone yet, Paul. But <laughs> listen, Here's the thing. When when you come into the season and you have North Carolina ranked in the top 10, you have uh, Miami ranked in the top 15, you have uh, Clemson, obviously a top five, you know, uh, contender for national title. Everybody just assumed that the quarterback whose name I'm not going to even try to pronounce uh, was going to be better than what you know what he was last year when he only played in a couple of games but that's not the case Clemson loses over the weekend to NC State you've seen Duke and Syracuse they are absolute trash both teams are terrible Florida State they can we agree that they may be the worst team in the ACC which we'll get to them here in a minute but oh, no, I mean, they, my they god are. they're terrible they are definitely it's so weird watching Florida State not have a bunch of dudes like you know they have dudes but they're not Florida State dudes right they're not yeah. they're not the guys that for the last you know 10 years has made that team, uh, you know, one of the top in the country, really. I mean, Florida State won a national championship, what, six years ago, seven years ago? I don't even know how long it's been. Seven, but... No, eight years ago, because it was yeah, 2013. So, I mean, in our lifetime, they have been, you know, fairly dominant. And that Florida State just looked like it. And, and this is going to sound bad, okay? So not in comparison to what we saw, but like in comparison to what Florida State was several years ago, it looked like a junior varsity team, just the size of everyone. Like they just looked small. Like that's not the Florida State team I'm used to seeing. And it was very interesting. But overall in the conference, over the weekend, another upset, Georgia Tech takes down North Carolina. And my point being, these these teams that were considered to be the best of the best have fallen really early. It's early. But you're talking about Wake Forest being the best team in the ACC. That is, If that's not drunk, I don't know what is. I, who would have predicted that? Not me. Wasn't me. No. no. Yeah, look at us. Not me. Yeah, like <laughs> see, seeing some of these teams like UNC and Miami just absolutely just stumble out of the gates like i thought i was really high on unc i thought they might they might try and uh, challenge clemson for cream of the crop in the acc and they looked bad to start the year and sam howell i mean still looks you know relatively good but i mean the rest of the team around him isn't and then miami i hate myself for buying into the miami hype. every I, year the i back, really baby. i really thought manny diaz was going to turn this this program around i wasn't sold on them under al golden but ever seeing what they did last season i thought you know what maybe manny diaz is the guy for the job and then they start the year two and two now i mean i did not think they're going to beat alabama because i mean you know we saw what alabama did to them but 
Oh, I'm blanking on the team they lost to after that. Oh God, who? I mean, Miami almost lost to App State. Did they yeah, lost they're, to they're Alabama two and two on the season? They so and so is UNC. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like the, the yeah, teams that were supposed to be good aren't good, and the teams that are you know considered every year kind of like the middle of the the pack in the ACC with Boston College, um, NC State, Wake Forest, Louisville. Like those teams are actually good, and I say good and. and in quotations because i don't think we know anything yet that's the yeah. one takeaway is like we don't know yeah. anything Vir- virginia looks good the first couple of games of the season and then they've gotten spanked the last two games and they're zero and two in conference play pit i mean they they look okay but then they, they laid an absolute clunker i think this past week or the week before georgia tech they go out and lose to niu and then they go- come within a field goal or a touchdown of beating clemson <laughs> and then and then did they not just take care of business against North Carolina this past weekend and that who Georgia Tech yeah played? no so they like, they beat UNC like a drum yeah they so close. I mean it's the top of the the divisions right now you've got Wake Forest and you've got Virginia Tech which the Virginia Tech thing I can understand it's but like it's, the top they're of not the, that good it's, it's very like the obvious. top of the conference is not as strong as we thought it was and the bottom of the conference is a lot stronger than what we thought it was so it's just one giant middle yeah, and here's the thing. I've heard a lot of people talking about this week. We'll dive into this here in a little bit when we actually talk about Wake Forest. But now the question is, it's really easy to jump to conclusions. Like, oh, my God, Louisville's going to win the conference. Like, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. But what I will say is, is there a team in, in the ACC now that you don't feel like Louisville could at least – I don't want to say compete with because that's not the standard, but I feel like Louisville can beat just about anybody. You know, maybe outside of Clemson, I feel like Louisville can beat anybody they play on their schedule. They could also – they could also lose to anybody. Let's be quite honest. Like, well, I could totally mm-hmm. see it going the other way. Yeah, man. I just what is anybody good? That's the question. It's clear there's not get they're not getting a playoff team. So it's you know at this point it's Gator Bowl or die. I don't see it from Virginia Tech. I don't see it from Georgia Tech. North Carolina's look awful. Duke no. Pitt eh. Miami eh. Virginia eh. I mean it's a lot of eh. <laughs> like there's yeah. there's nothing <laughs> there's not a lot of teams to make you go. Yeah, I can see that. Except for maybe two and even yeah. those two are you're, you're like eh i guess the question then becomes now why not louisville when you're talking about the top of the top and uh we're gonna find out a little bit about that uh this weekend and with that being said it's time to roll into our first segment of the night my favorite second favorite actually segment <laughs> on the show here out of two uh the big three big big three yeah, 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 big three, come on. All right, Matt, take us to the website for headline number one. Headline number one, Louisville still searching for consistency following Florida State win. Now, that first half of play is about as good of football you should, if you've seen Louisville play in a while. I mean, they, they had them at one point 31 to 7 with two minutes left in the first half. I mean, that's, that's a final game score right there. I mean, if you'd have told me they would have put up 31 with, with the opportunity to maybe hold Florida State at the end of that half, like I thought you were crazy. I mean, I, I thought this could be a competitive game or one that could be a blowout, but not through the first half, maybe through the entire game. And so that was encouraging to see, but then things started to get a little bit shaky. That, that defense started giving up a lot of chunk plays. The offense, by their own admission, took their foot off the gas, which, I mean, I commend them for being honest about it. Yeah, we've but, talked about this, though. We've talked – just keep that comment in your back pocket, guys. Like, we don't we, we don't need to know that. Just, like, let's just let it be – it is what it is. Yeah, but, I mean, when, like, around that time where you need to step it up, you lost one of your top offensive playmakers. If you see Braden Smith go down and – 
I went back and watched that play just to see how bad it was before it was mm-hmm. announced that he was going to be out for the season, and it, it yeah. made me squirm. Yeah, so just, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Matt. That injury killed me. I had to – I still kept watching the game consistently, but when I went back to watch it back the first and second time, that was a play that I knew coming up that I had to skip over. Uh, prayers going out to Braden. Absolutely. I know that's a long rehab. That's going to yeah, suck, yeah. dude, but – I mean, you'll be back better than ever with the mindset that you have. I think it's possible. Just, just stomp them out. Like, just yeah, put them into submission. You're already enforcing your will at that point. Just, like, continue running them into the ground and don't give them any life. And that's exactly what Louisville did. Now, the defense wasn't perfect. They gave up a ton of chunk plays in the second half. But it was mostly the offenses doing. And at first, just watching through it, I thought maybe it was, like, a lot was attributed to play calling, which some was. But – a lot of it was just miscues here and there. Like the offensive line wasn't as solid in that second half. Malik had a few more throws that was offline. So like it was, and combined with Florida State making some changes, like not a lot, but some, like Mike Norvell barely changed anything. It was just more plays were working. Just like the perfect storm of everything happening all at once gave Florida State a way to come back in that game. And that can't happen. I mean, you're facing a team that's 0-3, about to be 0-4. Snuff them out, man. Like, I, I'm not – I don't care what, what happened just now. Like, find, find a way to rally. Find some motivation to stomp them out. Yeah, I think they're still trying to figure out the offensive identity. Um, it, it's like I'm trying to think of an analogy. And, I, I again, I've said this multiple times uh, an episode. I'm not witty enough to think of one. But, like, they just keep bringing out this, like, Jekyll and Hyde version of themselves where they get up and they they go back and say, it's like, Man, I really just want to get the run. Can we just try and see if we can get it to go? And it doesn't work. And then, you know, you lose a little confidence. And Florida State gets a little confidence. They make a play here. They make a play there. And things are different. Um, I, they kept trying to give them the football game. Kudos to them for the sake of time. Kudos to them for closing it out. I agree with Scott Satterfield. They never quit. They kept fighting till the end. I know they kind of let go of the 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 gas, like you said, but um, they fought to the end. They get a W uh, down in Tallahassee. That's all that matters. Matt, headline number two. Louisville opens up as road underdog at Wake Forest. Now, this this doesn't really surprise me. I mean, Wake Forest, they are what they are. 4-0, uh, number 24 in the country. They, they had a, you know, a somewhat decent win against Virginia. But the fact that Louisville opened up as a seven-point dog against this Wake Forest team was a little bit surprising because, I mean, if you look at their resume, their first two wins were against Norfolk State and Old Dominion. I mean, those are two FCS teams you're supposed to take care of business anyway. And then they played FSU and did what they did against them. I mean, and we see what FSU is. They're not good. But that was a that was a game in which Wake Forest had six turnovers generated in that game. I, I as bad as Louisville's turnover issues were last season, I can't imagine them having six in one freaking game. So I, I'm not mad that they were dogs in this game because I mean it's it's on the road against somewhat comparable opposition, but a whole touchdown I thought was a little bit surprising. Hammer though, so? the, hammer the though. Last, over. The last three or five games in this series have been absolute shootouts. I've, uh, Connor O'Neill had a, an interesting stat the other day that the average uh, – the winner of, the, of this game puts up like an average of 42 po- point something points, and the loser has like 31. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't happen. <laughs> 
Yeah, the Wake Forest uh, game is just one that's really interesting to me. Obviously, they should be favorite, right? They're ranked. They they uh, came off a really, really impressive win against a Virginia team that, like, that's the best Virginia offense I've seen in a long time, maybe ever. I mean, it's crazy what they did there uh, yardage-wise to, to lose the game. But Wake and Forest defense. has a defense. You talked about turning the football over. I mean, they forced turnovers like crazy, man, absolute crazy. I think they've got seven interceptions already this season and four fumble recoveries. So, um, one of the top teams at, at getting after the football and Louisville has uh, been susceptible to the turnover. Um, and uh, they've also been susceptible to the pass rush, which Wake Forest always just has like one random guy. Like every time you play them, there's just like, a, oh yeah, you see that guy number 55, he's going to be probably a first round draft pick. And you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, they, they had Forest? a guy like okay. that last year in Boogie Basham. Yeah, Boogie Basham, right. Yeah. And I, I, if you let me have like 10 minutes to think of it, I could probably tell you like four or five more that they've had along the way that are just like, oh, he played a Wake Forest. Um, but yeah, th- this game is is a real. I mean, we we say it every week. It's becoming cliche, the litmus test, because Louisville is going to find out if they are a you know somewhere in the thirty five to fifty range in the country, or are they more like uh, you know thirty four up into the top twenty five. We're going to really find out where to place them because I do think Wake Forest is a good football team. Right. Um, but I hate Wake Forest, man. I hate them. I don't know why, but I hate them. We need to we need to address the elephant in the room because like. <laughs> This is this is the most Wakey irrelevant got team. You down, brother. <laughs> it's just the most irrelevant team to hate, like because it's just like it's Wake Forest. I don't really care, but I never really liked Chris Paul. I never really liked Dino. I, I, no, I don't like Chris Paul. I obviously don't like Dino Gaudio, so I have more reason to dislike Wake Forest because of that. And then you know, with football, you have Wakey Leaks. You, then you have Matt Coburn with the L's down and that, that whole thing. And then Cade Carney is just destroying dudes left and right. I mean, it's just it's just always something with Wake Forest, and I'm over it. I'm ready for them to just be irrelevant again. So let's make that happen. All right, Matt. Headline number three. Headline number three, this this time courtesy of the Denver Post, is Broncos Teddy Bridgewater ready to outduel Ravens Lamar Jackson. The fact that this this game is here, I mean, a lot Louisville fans have been talking for a while about like, what if Lamar and Teddy squared off? What if what if they somehow met up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and now that hypothetical game that we feel like we've been hearing about for a few years now is here. Fans' and, heads are going to explode when they see the picture on social media of them together. Like, I mean, oh it's going to be it's going to be swap. the background of all of the the Cardinal fans across Louisville. The mother, it's going to be the mother of all jersey swaps for this area, <laughs> no doubt. It's going to. We should just get build a statue of them together with the jersey swap. Let's just knock out two birds with one stone here. In the jersey swap is the statue. But here's my hot take. You ready for this? The Broncos are going to win the game. The Broncos are going to win the game. I uh, well. Considering uh, how hard it is to play at mile high, I don't think it's that crazy to say. I mean, Bron- the Broncos are what, 3-0 on the season? The Broncos are 3-0. The, the stats against Teddy are just unbelievable. I don't I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but the blitz up until this last week, and, and I don't know if this is maintained, but he was perfect passing the football with the blitz, with pressure. So, like, the, the Ravens obviously love to do that. The Broncos have a really good offensive line. The reason why I think they're going to win is because they've got better skill position players. You know, like we saw what happened oh, yeah. with Hollywood Brown last week, which is just shameful to watch an NFL receiver have a ball doink off his face Lost mask. Lost my fantasy game. in my starting lineup. That's two, that's two touchdowns from like, both of them that I did not get, plus the yards. I was so mad. I wanted to strangle Hollywood Brown. I, I don't think I can ever take Hollywood Brown seriously because I remember last offseason he was like, man, you 
you got to give the ball to your soldiers. Yeah, you got to. And then he went out and dropped. He said something to that effect. And then he went out and like just dropped everything thrown his way. Like, come on. Yeah, but look, the Broncos have better running backs. They've got better wide receivers at this point, just in terms of, you know, overall talent. And they've got uh, Teddy, who is not going to make mistakes. Not that Lamar is mistake prone, but you obviously see with Lamar, sometimes it's boomer bust in big moments. And I just think that that Denver I mean, Chip, man, that whole conference might make playoffs. Like, it's crazy. And, and Denver Those four still of those has teams a, are good. Denver still has a good defense. Yeah. Like, they, dude, they've had is. a good defense since their Super Bowl run. It's just that their offense has is been. Is Von Miller still terrible. playing in the NFL? Oh, yeah. He's still there. Yeah. yeah. And they got Bradley Chubb, which is another one of those random ACC guys. Just like, yeah, he played at Wake Forest or he played at NC oh, State. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He didn't <laughs> play in this conference. Yeah. Right. No, he, at what school again? NC State? What? Okay. Yeah. Anyways, but this game, man, I saw the map you shared earlier. Um, it's going to draw big numbers. I mean, CBS oh, yeah. is going to be pleased. I, I can't wait to see the Nielsen ratings after that game. It's going to be insane. Yeah, the local advertising rates just went up. That's for sure. I can hear it in my ear right now. The money, <laughs> the money. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Say it with me, CPM. Yeah. Jacob, Jacob, your tweet had me freaking rolling earlier. That one guy who tweeted something about all oh, a lot of Steelers fans and – that freaking guy. Get out this, of here that with that. Just the you worst. got the freaking Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from Louisville and one of our, arguably one of our best ever to come through this school. And you're going to say, you're going to say that really? Yeah. Two top I mean, five Lachlan, players in program history. They, just That's just the most get off of my lawn take. take. It's the worst take. All right, let's do it. Let's move into what people are calling the best segment in sports. The New York Post calls it the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> Vince's game notes. Vince, you rewatch the game. Tell us what you saw. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. So one thing that I really enjoyed uh, out of Coach Satterfield this Saturday was his change up on his formations. I've been speaking highly about our formations and our motions and things like that. Uh, just in a concept was, but coach Sat would, he would start out in a just completely open set with no running backs. Nobody was just Malik. So that's giving him an opportunity to go one-on-one on on that draw play that uh, he hit big. The second thing that I really enjoyed was uh, our goal line packages. So Malik is seeming to come into his own the past two games with the goal line package. And it reminds me a lot uh, it's a funny comparison. My dad used to tell me all the time about these stories of Paul Horning at Flaget, how mm, they'd hand the ball yep. off to my Uncle Jack, hand it off to Uncle Jack, and they'd you know throw some passes here and there. But when they got to the goal line, it's he's gonna Paul Horning's gonna take it and score. And that's kind of what you're seeing a lot of with Malik right here, is Malik is making these right decisions at the goal line, when to pull it, when not to pull it, when to hit Marshawn on that arrow route, when not to hit Marshawn, pump fake, not to pump fake. He's making extremely good decisions on the goal line, and that's super reassuring for us. Uh, one thing I didn't like so much was our outside zone plays. I wish uh, Sat would give Malik this option to pull the ball. Uh, just not even tell the rest of the offense. Just tell the offense we're running our normal outside zone stuff. So everybody, even the offensive players, assume that we're running this outside zone play. But let Malik pull it. If you watch, the backside on that is closing down hard when they see our O-line get on that same track, same track, same track. Yeah. Dudes are climbing and whatnot. I mean, that backside's there. That end is closing tight, trying to close that corner right off the tackle's butt yeah. and try to make that play on the back, play on the backfield on Jalen or whoever the running back is. Uh, another gripe of mine was the blocking from the wide receivers. Wasn't really impressed with that this week. 
Uh, last week they turned it on and it seemed very impressive, but that one play with Justin Marshall sticks out in my head where he, you know, I don't know if he gave up or what. Wasn't it the what? one where Malik was kind of cutting to the left and he, all yep. Justin had to do was kind of set so that Malik didn't have to continue going out and he just yep. had to cut in? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That, yes. that, that was a bad block. It was a, it was a bad block, but overall I, I really enjoyed the scheme offensively in the first half. I'm sure everybody did. How could you and not? In the second half to me, it, yes, there were there was some scheme errors that might've not have called the right play in the right situation, but going back on what Matt said, it was just one guy messing up in these situations. I think back to two plays. I was watching the tight ends on these plays and Marshawn Ford uh, could have sealed around the corner it, not the corner position, but sealed around the corner of the tackle. And his eyes, you could tell, went immediately inside the linebacker when his most immediate threat was this outside linebacker right here. Malik could have cut off his butt and at least gained a couple more yards on that play. Uh, there's another one with Isaac Martin where, I mean, he just absolutely gets smoked by a dude. He caught, caught the guy for whatever reason, didn't shoot his hands, didn't shoot his hips, anything like that. Guy swiped off his hands, made an easy play in the backfield. It, the second half, yes, it was ugly, but there are some positives to where you can look at it and you can say, okay, if he gets this guy here, we're good. We can get yards on that. Do I think we score more points? I'm not sure. I don't think so, but those okay. are my notes for this week. Okay, fantastic job. As always, the crowd is going wild if you cannot hear them. But here's my question. Can, what, can, fundamentally, what, what changed in the – uh play calling i mean what what did you see from the first half to the second half what did they do less of do more of in the second half what would you have liked to have seen them done like kind of walk walk me through the football side of the play calling well well for me it goes back to what i said at first the formation was we i don't think i saw any plays with malik being the lone back back there he ran those draw plays but if you go back and watch a lot of times it was with the running back in the backfield as a lead blocker maurice berkeley on that one long one where uh, mm. that also got called back for a hold. Very frustrating, but there were a lot of really bad untimely penalties in that game. Well, not a lot of them, but it seemed like they were in the it worst felt like possible it. moments. Yes, exactly. Right. That big run. It's just like you, you I mean, can Malik do nothing had, but put your head down. Malik had over a hundred yards rushing, including a touchdown called back on just two holding penalties. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this, and I don't know if you have any notes related to this, and if, if not, I apologize for, for setting you up for failure here. But third down, I, one of the things I was really impressed with, in the, at one point late in the first half, they are eight for nine on, first down, on third down conversions, um, and they have been extremely successful third downs this year, whereas the last several years we've not seen that. What, what are they doing different on third down, or what are they doing to win that down? So uh- – the first half, what I was watching, because we were eight of nine, so when I went back and watched it, I was paying attention a little bit to what we were running on third down, and it seemed a lot of quick game. Easy stuff for the wide receivers to be like, okay, I'm making my one move and I'm going. One thing you don't want to do as a wide receiver at this level is make a lot of moves at the line of scrimmage. These guys are mm-hmm. good enough to get hands on you. If they're impressed, they're going to get hands on you if you're making a lot of moves. So make one move, go, boom, they make their move, and Malik's just taking a quick three-step drop and letting it sling. Like, hits full confidence. He hit Braden Smith on that one where he got mm-hmm. hurt. Uh, I'm thinking of the Jordan Watkins play. It might not have been on third down where he scored. That was, you know, that was a quick game play. Things like that are easy for a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of confidence sitting in the pocket with uh, O-line that's kind of questionable. So that's really what we've been doing on third down. And at the same time, situationally, it's good to mix in those run plays where we know, okay, Malik has the option to give here. We might run – 
a flyback motion to where we can fake the inside zone and pitch it out, things like that. And kind of building off that, it is nice to kind of see Satterfield and the rest of the offensive coaching staff kind of incorporate that quick game a lot more because that's one of the bigger complaints that we had in the first couple of games of the season is that the, the offensive- last two years, man, the last two years. That's yeah, what everybody's yeah. been clamoring for for two years. That's true. Well, Sorry, that's cut you off. I just want no, to throw you're fine. That out. It's, it's more than two games. Yeah, but especially in the, these first two games of this season because the offensive line at that point in time was not performing up to the standard they should be. So that, that they kind of had to incorporate the quick passing game because it's all the time they had. But it's, it's nice to see backs like Jalen Mitchell take one cut and just go downfield. It's nice to see Malik take kind of those short dropbacks and kind of hit hit the receivers in stride, whether that's an, on an out or an in or a slant or drag, what, whatever it might be. But it's now that that, that wrinkle is incorporated into on top of the fact that they still like to run their inside outside zone a lot and take some of those intermediate play action shots down the field. I'm starting to see a lot more of a healthier balance when it comes to what stats bread and butter is. And with this quicker game that, you know, the offense kind of needs to kind of diversify things up again. Now, are there times where Sats still kind of, you know, clings on to his MO a little bit too much? Yeah. I mean, that that's still there a little bit, I'm, but the fact that, the play calling is starting to diversify a little bit to a fact where, you know, a second and long is coming yeah. and it's not guaranteed to be a run. The fact that we're, we've, we've reached that point, which is it's sad to say probably in retrospect, but it, it's, it's nice to see it play out to fruition. To uh, just two more things to add on to those notes and stuff, guys, is uh, when you go back and look at those quick game plays, the back's open. That, that swing is open more times than Malik thinks. And that corner if he's not playing, you know, somewhere in the flats, that that's open. You're going to get five, six, you know, eight yards. Maybe it, you don't even know. You could, can you I, could break a tackle and go all the way. Can I tell you something? You want to know why Javion Hawkins isn't in the NFL right now? It's because Malik never looked his way on those swing passes, man. I'm, I'm straight up. I'm telling you. that's I'm dead honest with you. Malik never he, looks he, to the running back. He never checks the football down. I, it I, is believe, the, I believe, yeah. I, I wish he would check check down more. It's, it's there all the time. And yeah. – one more thing I'd like to just bring up is Tyler Harrell on that route. I text you all about the beautiful route. Mm-hmm. Kudos I mean, to Tyler him, started in a Tyler started in a squeeze formation. So the defense is expecting him to go out from that position. I mean, there's only two routes, two routes really you can run from there. Two or three. I mean, you, but uh, Tyler sold vertical. They know he's a four low four 40 yard dash guy. So they know his speed. He sold the vertical route. He hit it out, stuck his outside foot, sell in that corner. That DB took it, went straight across his face. And it was beautiful to see that kid execute, execution. that catch and the other. Uh, he had that one on the sideline that they did not call for a catch. Yeah. But to me, that's reassuring mm-hmm. to see that he has confidence in catching the football. And Malik's going to need that coming up with Braden being out. Yeah, so with Braden being oh, yeah. out, here's what I'll say in relation um, to the receivers. You know, I, I definitely think that what we saw from Jordan Watkins was encouraging. Justin Marshall, he's not been great, but he's been good enough. Seth Dawkins-type statistics to, to provide you a weapon out there. I, I, I've been so impressed with Josh Johnson. Which Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I will say this with Justin Marshall. Yeah, I, I really do think he's going to have a, be- a much better year than he had last year because I know the last oh, couple sure. off seasons it, we've been kind of, they've been kind of, the coaching staff has been kind of hyping him up You're like he's going to be really good last year we didn't see it they kind of did the same thing I was kind of a little bit not too terribly sold on that but I mean through the first four games of this season he already has more yards than he had all of last season now granted that's last season's a little bit different because he was buried behind Tutu and Dez right but can, to see him actually become an a piece of this pass, an actual piece of this passing game on mm-hmm. top of the newfound reliability of Josh Johnson, which by the way, 
is already impressive enough considering the dude's coming off of two ACL tears. It's so the, is this going to be a perfect passing attack? No, but it, it's it's got a, it's got promise. It's got potential. It just needs to come together. Justin made a play the first drive, and oh, it was awesome because this this is who Justin Marshall is. Justin was Marshall it? built like Julio Jones. I'm pretty like, sure it was on third down, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's. A, I'm he's pretty a, sure it was, and I was like, yeah, damn, yeah. like let's go, let's yeah, go, exactly. like that's what you're for, that's man. I was like, all right, boys, came to play today. Let's all right, let's ride. Let's get let's get this thing going. That's Justin, exactly right. When he physical. Th- oh. I mean, the, a dude that size should be able to, you know, get position. I know he's not going to be a burner and separate himself and get 10, 15 yards, but what he is going to be able to do is be a possession guy. He's going to be a guy that can, you know, out physical a corner that's 5'10", 5'11", 190 pounds. He can push him around and get you those two, three yard slant routes that you need on, on, you know, on third down conversions or whatever the case is. And he's shown that. Um, but what I was going to say with Tyler, with Harold is I, I love the, the mentality there of in basketball shooters keep shooting. You tell a guy who's, you know, who may not be hot from the corner, keep shooting, man. We know it's going to be there. They keep testing Tyler Harrell. Like, we're going, we're going to get you at some point. This is going to work. And they kept doing it and they kept doing it. And I want to see more of it. Um, and that leads us right into Wake Forest because uh, if there was anything that I thought from just looking at the statistics, I have not watched much of the game. I saw chunks of it um, on Saturday between Wake Forest and Virginia. But Brennan Armstrong, I, I think he completed, you know, uh, I broke the numbers down a little bit earlier. He completed double-digit passes over 10-plus yards, completed like eight or nine passes over uh, 15 yards, and then had uh, two or three over 20 and 30 yards. Um, and he, they just, they clunk, they, they you know, uh, nickel and dime every second they were getting, you know, a yard here, a yard there. It wasn't enough, but it showed me Wake Forest's weakness is going to be at the passing game. Would you guys agree with me there? Kind of take me through Vince with the, with the game plan and just overall thoughts on Wake Forest are. Uh, Wake Forest is in my opinion, one of next to Clemson, probably your second hardest, second hardest team to prepare for because you just never really know with them. Uh, their O-line, it's weird. They run that RPO, and that quarterback, Sam Hartman, will ride that thing all the way out up until the last possible second. I mean, their O-line isn't even driving off the ball. They will catch you and let you go in the gap that you want to and seal you off. And if that running back sees a hole, he's going to take that hole. That's exactly what it's designed to do. He's going to take that hole, and he's going to hit it and go. And if he doesn't see a hole or Hartman sees you know, a better opportunity in the passing game, Hartman's going to take it, pull it, and throw it. I, I think Louisville needs to not be practicing with the football this week defensively. Like, don't it, you're a team have a team period this week with no football in it, like you're playing OG, Georgia Tech, triple option, how you would do that, to where everybody is playing sound, fundamental football. You have to be on your P's and Q's with these guys, otherwise, you're going to get hit with a big play. It's pretty obvious whenever they're going to be going and passing that da- or passing, passing ball deeper downfield. Sam will take his drop all that good stuff, everything like that. And their play actions usually pretty quick with that. Sam doesn't sell a good play action that well, in my opinion. Their run game, their running back is, I mean, he's good. He's a good running back, but their O-line is the hardest thing. And it's the hardest thing to prepare for because you have to get those scout guys working on that same page too. You always want to have your scout team obviously mimic the team you're playing, but it's, it's hard to coach guys not coming off the ball like hey don't come off the ball against yaya diaby like catch him yeah you're telling some scout you're telling some scout team player to go catch yaya diaby the yaya is going to put him on his butt nine times out of ten so it's hard to prepare for but i think it's doable it's it's just a hard team to prepare for that's all that's, that's all i got they they just have to be fundamentally sound you know going back to what you're saying it's it's just a really weird odd team to scheme against because i mean 
every offense in college football at some point runs some some variant of the read option. But the way that Wake Forest does it is unlike any team in, in college, honestly, because it's like they are dancing with the football in the backfield, waiting until the very last possible moment that they have to make a decision on what they're actually going to do with it, whether or not Christian Beal Smith is going to find is going to take it because he finds a hole or finds an opportunity, or if San Hartman's going to pull it back because he sees an opportunity downfield. It's it's just weird. And uh we were talking with uh defensive coordinator Brian Brown a couple hours ago and he he said the biggest thing is just be like just execute. Just stay in your gaps, stay patient because if, if you try and do too much they're going to exploit your weakness. Man, that, word, that word is a sore spot right now, man, because you, you, I mean, you just keep talking about like it, it, it's all about execution, but what have the coaches been telling us the last several games? The execution is not there. Like that's concerning to me because it's getting better, it, but it's it not is. completely there. I and will say that here is one big worry. I have, we're going to really miss the impact of Monty Montgomery in this game. A guy who is a senior who has seen this defense, this offense twice. Now. Um, I don't know his stats, but I mean, obviously Louisville's won the last two games. So they obviously have a game plan. I, I personally think Satterfield has Dave Clawson's number. Like if you go back and you look at where Satterfield and Clawson are like, Oh man, we've both been playing each other since, you know, nine to nine when he was the offensive coordinator Toledo and I was at yeah. app state. Like, they both are just going on and on with their North can Carolina. Can we pause for a second? Can we see, can we have that Satterfield impression again? I, I don't know if that was Satterfield or Clawson or just a combination of both, but it because I, like, I can't do a, the only thing I can do with Satterfield is the fingers it, together. That, that almost sounded like if, if – Saturday. He didn't – did you see in the post-game locker room thing? Oh, yeah. yeah I no, took a picture. I saw oh, it. No, no, no. I love it. Ready? I love Hold it. on. Hold on. That's, I that's like M.O. That's, that's his thing, and I, I love it. I, it's corny. It's so it's so corny, y'all, but it – it means that's a lot like that's uh, what jacob just did sounded like if goofy like disney's goofy decided to become a position coach (laughs) yeah no i remember seeing that (laughs) it's gonna be the picture of the show this week because it's just we gotta be like this and we were like this no one can beat us Ah!" like i'm in the background let's let's go with everybody's head scrunched under the ceilings at the locker room right oh my goodness (laughs) that locker room looks like it was set up for you to be in hell straight hold on let's talk about how savage it is to build a stadium and then be like you know what let's give the opponents a shitty locker room that'll show them when i was changing in two years in 2019 my head was yeah bro think about it i was like are you kidding me florida state this is ridiculous for the the full hour before the game all you could think about is how you had to turn your head sideways to put your pads on and you're like out there missing your tackles you're not on your p's and q's because you're like shit my neck hurts i've been trying to put my helmet on now the play the players locker room is good i was talking about you know where the gas and the student assistants uh, whatever it was at florida state they looked like they were in like a room that was four feet tall i mean it was it was quite impressive to be doing that up there um, but yeah, like, you know, it's just, uh, it's, 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 it's one of these games where I really do think that Satterfield has an opportunity to, to take care of business and, and show that the, the, the play calling we've seen for the last five quarters, uh, you know, outside, or, well, really the last uh, four or six quarters, if you take the first half of, of Florida State and then to UCF, it's his best play calling since he's been here. I mean, he's on fire, man. Yeah, That's sad. the type of stuff, Sat, you keep doing that? I don't need an offensive coordinator, man. Go ahead. Give yourself another title. Yes. See? Yes. Yeah. Now, now y'all are getting on board. Y'all can hop on the set train back all with me. Y'all, y'all can ride. Hey, I never hopped off. Ball. I just hopped into a back cart and was like, hey, man, <laughs> we got to figure out how we can get some more call uh, next down uh, here. 
I'm front. I'm front row. I'm riding, riding. riding. I feel you, man. I feel you. But, You're getting uh, me up there. I'm I, moving slowly up the train. I'll join you someday. What needs to do is that's huge on two tight end sets. Everybody knows it. Uh, you can see it. I love it whenever we mix it up and spread it out and everything. But that's that's what he needs to do. He needs to spread it out a little bit more with the guys. You know, Sat had some great O lines at App State. I know people don't like giving App State credit, but App State's one of the you know better programs, G five programs in the country. I'd I'd put them up against anybody and majority of the ACC this year, and would say they'd beat or give whoever a game. Would they beat Louisville? Man, they used to say this. They used to ask me this crap all the time, but no, I don't think they would beat Louisville. They they said, uh, oh man, me and my Quan. We got it. We weren't arguing, but we were just messing back and forth. And Fitch, we were talking about uh, that's you're talking about Mike Juan Stout, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, okay. I was talking, we were talking about the 2016 team and their best team. And I'm like, ah, oh, y'all just don't know. Then Mike Juan's like, oh, y'all had Lamar if we shut Lamar down. Stop it, dad. Like, get out of here, man. Else, you know, you can't, but 2016 I mean, is running ab state off the field, for it, but it was along the lines, just you know, I have mad been. respect for that, though. He's ride or die for his guys. I feel that. Yeah, I, that's how all those guys, all the App State people are. I, I love I, – I became an App State fan just being around those guys and how they play and their attitude. And I mean, they've sad ever Sad ever try to sell you on moving to Boone, North Carolina? Oh, Did they ever the tell time, you about how beautiful time, it is? If – I mean, if Coach Ponce would have been like, hey, I need a GA, I would have took that in a heartbeat. I, I could see you in the mountains, man. You got a real mountain vibe to you. Dude, it's beautiful up there. I could see it's it, man. Flannel vents on the sidelines. App State's beautiful. That's all they talk about is how beautiful it is, the campus, the vibes up there. They're like game day and Boone is like nothing you've – like if you want to have a college football experience, that's you need, that's that needs to be on one of your bucket list of spots to go to. All right, let's reveal – let's just kind of pull back the curtains here of our virtual recording. Matthew has had some internet issues. Matt, are you back on the show or are you not back on the show? I am back, but I am on my phone, so you I don't – You sound stop. like you are on Mars, so yeah. that is fantastic. Whatever. So we're, we're in this. We're just riding with it, man. All right, let's talk about uh, impact players. Let's talk about what to watch on Saturday. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a hot take. I'll let you react, and then you guys kind of throw in some conversation points in here. Uh, the last two years when I've, I've wrote about Wake Forest and previewing it, I've said both times, Rajay Burns was the most important player in that game defensively because of sealing the edge, making sure he's disciplined. I'm going to say the same thing again this year. Jack Fago is the most important player outside of trying to push the line a little bit and make sure that they can penetrate. But Jack Fago has been fantastic at tackling, has been fantastic at sealing the edge. I, I think that it is super important that with a guy like Christian Beal Smith who can go inside, who can make a move and, and get to the outside of that corner, and if, if the team has collapsed in, that will be wide open. I have I have a lot of faith that Jack Fago is going to make the plays out there necessary. What's the what's the most important matchup, most important player? What do you guys think? Uh, talking about the Jack comment, I'm, I'm with you. I think Jack can be one of the more important players for this game coming up against Wake Forest if he can pull his trigger, if he can go. A lot of times, if you go back and watch that game against Florida State, Jack's sitting back to where a play could have been a two-yard gain. It's now a five-yard gain, specifically in that third and fourth quarter. But I, I have full confidence that Jack can do that. I, in my opinion, I think the safety position is going to be the the more, you know, the position we need to be the most fundamentally sound at because those guys, you know, they think run and pass 
you know, they're pretty, they're pretty 50, 50 opposed to where a linebacker, I'm thinking more run. I'm thinking run first opposed to pass. So I just think it's going to be hard. Kendrick and Q Cole, they're going to have to have their eyes in the right place on the right guy at all times. That's why I said practicing without a football might be beneficial for these guys this week. Yeah. Matt, what do you think, man? I'm thinking it's probably going to be the overall passing attack against this little secondary. Cause I mean, while the secondary has been like, you know, decent, they've, they've been kind of suspect at times and, Wake Wake has a an attack where I mean they don't have a standout guy, but they they've got they've got dudes. I mean, well I say that, but they've got a guy like Jacory Robinson Robertson who who was a preseason All ACC type guy, and so far he's got the numbers for two forty five with two with a pair of touchdowns. But AC Perry's looks solid. He's actually got more yardage and touchdowns than him. Taylor Moore and Keyshawn Williams are another uh, couple of receivers who have 100 receiving yards. And Sam Harden, Hardman, he might not be the cream of the crop in the ACC when it comes to quarterbacks, but, I mean, he's no slouch. He, he's good. So, and considering this is why I think Wake Forest is undefeated and playing as well as they are, they play extremely efficient football. Now, their total defensive and total offensive numbers in terms of the pure yardage it, it, it wouldn't suggest that this is like a top 25 ranked team. Like they're, they're holding teams to 357. They're only putting up 430. I mean, the total offense is 45th in the nation. The total defense is 67th. But get this. They're scoring defense, 8th in the nation. They're yeah. scoring offense, 20th in the nation. You want to know why? Because that glorious turnover margin, it is the yeah. fourth best in the nation. They've only lost four tur- turnovers, and they've gained 11 Granted, six of them came against Florida State, but still, they play methodical, efficient football, relatively mistake-free. And, you know, a lot of people are going to hear, like, the the comments from Satterfield and Brian Brown and everyone else saying they're incredibly low-coached, and they'll think it might be coach-speak. No, it's it's not coach-speak at all. This is, Wake Forest is an extremely well-disciplined team, and they do not shoot themselves in the foot. You're exactly right. And I'm going to give you another stat here. I listened to Dave Clawson's presser today, just trying to get a feel for Wake Forest and and really what he thinks has been, uh, you know, contributing to them being so successful. Um, and he talked about the the depth that they have. He talked about them going six, seven, eight deep at corner. They can play five or six safeties. They can play seven defensive linemen, five linebackers. And you look at their stats. The thing, like when you look at teams, a lot of the time, it's, it's very singular. You have a uh, Florida State, you have a, uh, you know, uh, Jermaine Johnson, you have a Boogie Basham in years past for Wake Forest. You have these one guys that you know that if you can take care of business against them, Bradley Chubb at NC State, you're going to probably be in a good place to to win the football game. With Wake Forest this year, are you ready for this? Nine players are credited with a sack at this point. Wake Forest has nine guys through four games with sacks, okay? Now, they're, they're all pretty low, right? It's a lot of one and a half, twos, two and a half. Their leader, uh, whose name is Luigi, that's a fantastic defensive lineman name. Um, he, I think he has three or four sacks. Um, no, the, and then they the have- leader is actually a Luke Masterson. He's got four and a half tackles for loss, okay. a pair of sacks. Actually, no, not even the sack leader. The, no, you're right. There's sack leader. Get out of here. I'm giving, I'm putting facts out there. Stop it. Their sack leader, I swear to God, is a guy named Luigi Villain. That I is mean, his it, name. That's what I just that said. That is his name. That is what I just said. Yes, his name is Luigi. I'm it's sorry. Fantastic. I was getting my internet issues uh, figured yeah, out. Get yourself I'm under sorry. control. So my, my statistic was nine players at this point have a sack, Matt. And the other thing that's crazy is eight players have turnovers. I mean, they they, they have are they are diversified as can be. They are deep. They are literally going to make plays everywhere all over the field. 
Um, and the thing that's concerning about Louisville is it's we talked about it at the beginning of the show. It's one play here. It's one play there. One guy's out of position here. One guy's eyes are inside when they should be outside. It's the little details that have cost Louisville and Wake Forest. They're not the name brand team. They'll have like a Georgia or like a uh, LSU or these teams that have these big intimidating defenses. But man, they will make you pay if you make mistakes. And Louisville has been mistake prone for years. So this is the game where they have to come out and they have to play a near perfect game in terms of don't turn the football over don't commit stupid penalties and for god's sakes make sure you tackle because against florida state in the second half a lot of it was taking the foot off the gas but a lot of it was being out of position control clark got just stood up and circled around like he 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 took a bad angle and tried to cut back and fell down on on that touchdown run against from Corbin. So like it's guys just not being disciplined and, and Vince talked about the importance of that in this game. I am worried about Louisville and the outcome of this game, because I have yet to see Louisville play a perfect game in terms of the, all of that stuff, the, the fine details, the little fine print that you wouldn't, you know, consider to be very important, but a lot of mistakes add up to be big mistakes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. They, they, they need to be a lot more consistent and, while they've shown tremendous peaks, some of their values are, are can get pretty low. I mean, we saw how listless they can be against Ole Miss and the EKU. I mean, they kind of got it together, relatively speaking, on both sides of the ball against UCF. Then they had a tremendous first half, and then the bottom fell out in the second half. So they haven't really had much prolonged consistency or sustained uh, sustained, uh, sort of looking for it, but you, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, they, success. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. They, they haven't been able to get it all together. And if there, if there was a team where you absolutely cannot do that against it's wake force. It's here. And that's why I say this game is, is obviously every game is important. Um, there's a real opportunity in the ACC events so you probably know what that message would be like preaching to the guys. I, I know Scott Satterfield said that they're not looking at it like that, but there's a real opportunity last year. Louisville was was talked about by a lot of people of being a team that could dark horse compete in the ACC. You beat Wake Forest this week, and you're right back in that conversation again this year. So it's it's just take care of business. Yeah, well, a lot of the one of the big things that they'll say, and that uh, I'm pretty sure Sats even said it at a presser, is uh, not letting the noise in. Like the the only people that matter are the, the people in that building. Yeah. They could give two craps what I have to say about somebody tackling Tyler Harrell's routes or anything like that. The only thing that matters is the people in that building and they don't care for the first time in a long time. I truly think that they're not, they want to win an ACC championship. I'm not saying we haven't wanted to do that in the past, but I'm saying our minds aren't focused on that. We're focused on who's the opponent who we're playing next this week. Boom. How are we going to beat them? Okay, cool. Beat them, lost to them, whatever. Let's get our corrections in on Sunday, flush it. Boom. Monday's gone. Yeah, and uh, we definitely saw the impact of three games in 12 days. They are banged up. Their their injury um, report is going to be more important than it's been in a long time. I, I didn't even realize that Hassan Hall, Trevian Cooley, those guys were banged up on Saturday until Maurice Berkeley's getting 11 carries, and you're like, well, where's the rest of the guys at? I'm super confused here. But that's going to certainly play an impact this, this weekend. Jalen Mitchell has the shoulder issue that he's been dealing with. If they are not full go at the running back position, they are going to have a hard time winning this football game. Obviously, you lose Monty, you lose Braden. Um, if, if any other injuries happen in any other places, you're really on thin ice. I know they're, they're deep, but um, they, 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 are, they definitely can't say you got to be careful. Like, don't, don't get hurt. But Louisville definitely needs the injury thing to go their way here for them to win this football game. All right, let's go into predictions. 
let's start with our Lord Almighty, the great Matt Stradamus. Matt, give me some predictions for the weekend, my friend. Just for this game or the ACC in general? No, just for this game. I don't care about the rest of the ACC. I mean, I do, but not for your prediction. Prediction number one. I know I said that Wake Forest plays incredibly efficient football. They take care. They take care of the ball on both sides, but I truly believe that Louisville will come away with multiple turnovers in this game because they have over the offseason, what do we hear a lot from the defensive coaches? They put an added emphasis on turnovers, on securing those turnovers, because they were already doing the hard part and getting in position to make the turnovers. They were just not completing the process and actually hauling them in. And now, now we're starting to see that come to fruition. And I know Kyle Clark has three picks on the year already. So I, I could easily see him getting a pick, uh, someone else in the secondary maybe getting a tip, someone on the line forcing a fumble. So I, I, I really think that even against this Wake Forest team who plays fairly efficiently and takes really good care of the football, I can see them maybe slip, not maybe not slipping up on their behalf, but Louisville forcing some sort of error or mistake. All right, let's see what we have. What else from the great Matt Stradamus? Mastradamus prediction number two. I, this is mainly a prediction, like I'm trying to speak it into existence. Hassan Hall has a bounce back game. Now that's completely contingent on him being healthy. So I might be just completely talking out of my ass right now. But he, he if Louisville is going to have any prolonged success in the run game, he's he's got to be a part of it. Now he, he's got his role on kick return, punt return, and all that. But, like, his bread and butter is what? Running the ball. Now, it, it's a crowded backfield because you had, you had uh, Maurice Berkeley. You, you know I have a soft spot for Maurice Berkeley. He was doing some th- doing some things last week. Me too, Matt. Me too. I was fired up for that. And then Jalen Mitchell, he's – I don't, I don't want to say Jalen Mitchell has established himself as, like, the, the, one, the, the go-to back, but, I mean, he kind of is because he gets his line shares of the, um, of the carries. And, he, I mean, he's probably the most efficient back they have. But, I mean, depending on the situation, you need a guy like a shifty guy like Hassan Hall to kind of complement the bruising style that Jalen Mitchell has. So I'm I'm saying – I'm predicting that Hassan Hall has a big game mainly because I want to see it happen because he – considering the the injury problems he've had, he's had in the past and the, the ball security problems he's had in the past, he he's due for a breakout game. All right. I love it. Let's go quickly into score predictions as we wrap up the show here. I will go first. I hate to do this, guys. I hate to do this. We're going <laughs> to start with me for the reasons that I have named throughout this podcast. And uh, most quite, quite frankly, I just don't think Louisville is at a, at a level yet execution wise to win a game of this, uh, like this, and this opponent, I'm going to go wake Forest 34, 28. Now I will have, you know, sir, Let me address you. Let me take my glasses off and address you like the young whippersnapper you are. I am 4-0 on my picks so far this season. I'm I'm going to, you know, pat myself on the back for a second. Yeah, we don't call you Matt Stradamus for nothing, man. 4-0 on my picks. I nailed the UCF score, and I was one point off of the score on that Florida State game. I said Louisville's going to win 31-24. Louisville won 31-23. Okay, you're so, good at this. Okay, you're good at this. I say all that to say Louisville squeaks out with a 35-34 victory. I I like Wake Forest. I like Wake Forest and Louisville to get in a shootout again 
maybe not like a high flying shootout, like a 40, 50 point type game, but it's going to be competitive up until the very last moment. And I know, I think the 34 comes from, I think Wake's going to have a couple stalled out drives and they're going to be able to use uh, Nick Seba. I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's an incredibly efficient kicker. So they're going to be able to take some risks on some drives to kind of stall maybe around midfield, around the 40 and get some kicks from him. But at the end of the day, I think Louisville gets it done. 35, 34. Take that for data. All right, Vince, close us out. We know who you're going to pick to win the game, but give us the reason why and the score. We've been talking about how we can beat anybody on the schedule. You just said it, so there's nothing wrong for in the cards to win every game. That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. That's fair. Until they prove us differently. Until they prove it, you know. And when they do, you got to shave your beard. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the rules. Hard no. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go cards win 41, 35. I think it's going to be a shootout. Obviously, like Matt said, I just, that RPO is so hard to prepare for. I think we'll prepare well enough to where we can get the stops and things like that. But I think it's going to come down to us, you know, that last drive, either can we get that first down or can we get that touchdown to win the game? I don't think it's necessarily going to be a game winner per se, but you know, kind of how Evan Conley had it, you know, in 2019, yeah, where he took it up the sideline, ran to the sideline. They tell Coach Ponce, four, five, what? <laughs> but I, th- I think we win. I think, you know, as long as as long as we play good fundamental football, I think we should be all right. All right. This has been another great episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in from the Pink Seats podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, joined, of course, by Matthew McGavick of Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated and former Louisville football player and assistant Vincent Lococo. You can find these guys on Twitter at Vincent Lococo, exactly like it sounds, at General Wasp. Follow him. Check out Louisville Report Sports Illustrated. Uh, and then, of course, the stateoflouisville.com is where you can find our work. You can find the other great State of Louisville podcasts right now. Check that out, stateoflouisville.com, at the State of Lou. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Lane 08. We're going to be able to watch it on TV? Uh, I will have to double check uh, what <laughs> cable package my mom has because it's on the good old <laughs> it's on the good old regional sports network and my broadcast doesn't have cable <laughs> this is so. why he is matt the journalist with the lowercase j mom what, what package <laughs> do you have <laughs> anyway you can order the sports package so i can watch the game i mean i mean i can stream <laughs> oh, it from i can, I can. stream you come home and watch it with me i'm gonna smack the hell out of you next time oh, i see big you <laughs> i can stuff. i can watch it from my place for the record but it's already on a two minute delay with the live tv broadcast and add like another minute or two on a stream so i want to be actually be able to see the game play out in relative real time sir He's going to have to listen to it on the radio. I can't wait. For I, don't, I, I will either be at the lake or at the house. I don't care how I have to watch it, who I have to kill to watch this game. I will be watching the card Saturday. I will not listen to Paul Rogers on the radio. I literally told my mom the same I, thing. I, Look, they've been playing games on the ACC regional network for years, and I've not missed one yet. I will figure it out. Whether It's life or death. I will not miss a game mm-hmm. against a ranked opponent. They, they always say in the facilities, find a way to get it done, and I will promise y'all I will find a way to watch the cards Saturday. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Go Cards.
What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.